be a deacon, but he'll be ordained to the presbyterate next Sunday, and this is his first Sunday in the pulpit. So would you pray with me for our brother? Lord God, now send the Holy Spirit in a powerful anointing presence upon your servant, Jesus, right now. Lord Jesus, this man bears your name. May he be Christ for us as he stands to preach your word this morning. It's in your name, Lord Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Well, here I am. Uh, I can no longer run the opposite uh, way of this pulpit. Uh, it's uh, got away with uh, pulling a Jonah for the last four years or so, and uh, the Lord finally said, enough. So, uh, good morning, brothers and sisters. For those of you who do not know me, I'm Jesus Dominguez, as Father Brandon introduced me already. Deacon here at the church, transitional deacon, as I will be getting ordained here very soon. Thanks be to God, a day that anxiously have been, uh, my family and I have been waiting for. Um, and it's truly an honor for the, that this audience, the audience that I have, these people that I have uh, honestly come to love uh, dearly, as so is my family. Um, that you all are the ones to whom I'm going to be giving this my first sermon, and perhaps, and hopefully, um, of many sermons to come. So without further ado, let me give it my best shot, and uh, may it be pleasing to our God, my Lord, and my Redeemer. So let us pray for a second. It's merciful God. Hineni Adonai Hineni. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Use this humble servant of yours, Lord, as you so please. I thank you for everything you have done in my life, Lord, bringing me to this moment. And I can only hope and pray that every word that comes out of my mouth may be glorifying to you, Lord God. It is in your most holy name I pray. Amen. Now, given that next weekend I become a priest in the Church of God, um, I find it pertinent and timely that I would offer a general disclosure about uh, my past. Now, no worries. Uh, there's nothing I'm going to say here that Father Ben or Bishop Jones, my bishop, uh, is not fully aware of. Um, but uh, before I proceed, I do want to touch on a few points uh, made by the reading of Peter uh, this morning, the passage that Lisa uh, read for us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 10. Uh, these points provide the background, the backdrop for my sermon. So let us turn to that, if you can accompany there in the uh, Pew Bible, page 1014 of your Pew Bible, if you want to follow along with us. I'll give you a couple of seconds to get there. Page 1014. Now, beginning in verse 1, instead of the prescribed starting at verse 2, uh, Peter is given an exhortation to Christians who are apparently living lives that are not so Christian. Um, we know that they're Christians because at the very first line of the letter in chapter 1, he addresses them as those who are elect. In verses 1, uh, now here in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, we read from Peter, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If, indeed, you have tasted that the Lord is good. So in this exhortation, uh, he's telling us that, to, he's telling those Christians to put away certain behaviors and instead to seek to be nourished like newborn infants with pure spiritual milk. 
Now, the first thing to point out here is that that illustration of spiritual milk, he's referring to the Word of God. It's a similar illustration to what we see being used by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 3.2 and by the author of Hebrews in chapter 5, verse 12. Another point to make out of this passage is that, more of a point of clarification, is that the second verse reads, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Uh, perhaps something that may alarm some of you. Growing up into salvation, really. Um, so certainly Peter is not putting forth some theology of salvation by works here. Of course not. We just need to read the verse in the context of the entire letter to understand what he means here. So if we go back to chapter 1, and you don't have to turn there for uh, I'll, I'll read it for us. Chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. So. Here, the salvation that Peter is speaking of is in chapter 1, is in chapter 2, is the salvation of end times, not the salvation that we receive the moment that we open our heart to our Lord. Again, he's speaking to Christians who presumably have been saved. If you remember here in verse 3, uh, he says, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So therefore, through faith, built by nourishing of the word, we prepare ourselves for the final salvation that is to come when the Lord returns. Now, the rest of the passage, Peter dedicates to highlighting what belongs to those who believe and those who do not. Uh, those who do, in verse 5, he says, they are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, a key in this verse is that we are being built. There's nothing happening in our own accord. It's being done for us. Then at the end of the passage, in verse 9 and 10, we also uh, hear and read, he says, We are a chosen race. We are chosen. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his, as in for God, for his own possession, who will proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness in his marvelous light. Notice once again here the emphasis of the choosing being done for us. There's nothing that we are doing. Now by comparison... What do those who do not believe get? Well, unfortunately, they do not seem to be getting any of the honors that we are getting. Listen to Peter in, seven, in verse 7 once again. The honor is for you who believe. For those who do not believe, Christ has become a rock of stumbling and a rock of offense. So those who do not believe do not have this honor, not because God chose not, them not, but because... They do not want to give it themselves. They don't want to believe it themselves. Perhaps because Christ gets in the way of them living the lives that they want to live. Now, moving on with my disclosure, hopefully with a better grasp of the, of the passage that was read, perhaps my disclosure will be more than just a story about me, but rather an illustration of the passage and one that perhaps some of you may be able to connect to. And so the bottom line of my disclosure is that for me, um, Christ was also, for a large portion of my life, um, a stumbling rock. See, I, 
I wasn't always the nice guy, the, the, the nice God-fearing guy that some of you have come to know over the last three or four years. Um, for those of you that don't know me, you can ask around. Don't ask Chris. He doesn't like me that much. <laughs> Love you, brother. <laughs> the truth is that seven or eight years ago, had you known me back then, you probably would have wondered if I had some kind of connection with God. Now, don't get me wrong. I was a relatively nice guy. I mean, uh, I cared for the needy, though I cared for myself more. Uh, I loved everyone, though I only showed it to those who loved me. I worshipped the Creator for His creation, but worshipped His creation even more, if you know what I mean. I was thankful for the things that He had given me, but appreciated those that I got by myself. See, I was a good person, right? Right. Uh, well, I even went to church almost every weekend, or every month, or something like that. Um, <laughs> it was just such a great place to go when I fell down. It just made me feel a little good about myself. I liked it when my eyes would tear up and the hairs of my skin perk up. And I, it was just unfortunately something that I just couldn't replicate outside of that church. First, because I never really tried. Um, I just didn't know how. But also because I was just too busy with myself. So then I went to Iraq, twice to be exact, and after my first deployment, I thought, well, surely God thinks highly of me. I mean, I just went and put my neck on the line for a cause other than my own. I went to church while even deployed. I mean, so thinking that I deserved some R&R, &R, I came back and went and partied, seven months worth, in two weeks. <laughs> No time for a church on those days, of course. I was just too busy, too busy um, worshiping creation. And then uh, in between deployments, my job assignment changed. I was made what is called a, a, an aide-de-camp. It's essentially a right-hand man to a general, you know, like an executive assistant to somebody high at a, at a, in a large corporation. In any case, it's a prestigious assignment, uh, at least in the military, I wasn't sure that God had done much for me to get there. I thought that it was a natural outcome of my hard work, of course. Um, so uh, as most prestigious jobs, it was truly exhausting. Uh, there were nights when I would sleep at the office. Given the long hours and being on call around the clock seven days a week, the job itself became a stumbling block. I had no time for myself. Everything in my life seemed to be now all about that general. No more me. I wanted to have fun, to go party, to be with my friends, to be a little naughty. However, working with him had lots to do with image. I was being watched 24-7. One foolish step that would have brought discredit to him would have cost me my entire career. Um, I had to turn down my friends whenever they asked me to go have fun with them. Mind you, marine fun, like... We were born in a tavern, fun. <laughs> so the general became my stumbling rock and my rock of offense. See, he's a Christian man. And while he never discussed his faith with me, he did ask what my faith group was. And I told him I was a Roman Catholic at the time. And he too was one. While in Iraq, he asked me to uh, accompany him to church on Sundays and if I so desired, of course, and of course I said yes. I mean, going with the boss, some quality time with the boss, of course. 
I was going to church anyways any, uh, uh, on Sunday, so what harm could it be to go with him? Just wake up a little bit earlier. Well, little did I know that he was about to become an even greater stumbling rock than I first thought. See, his relationship with God was beyond anything I had witnessed till then. At church, he seemed like a totally different man. He would raise up his hands in worship, volunteer with the choir, wash the feet of his men, sing Christmas carols around base in Iraq. But then I began to see how it was not only in church, but outside the church and all the time. I would hear him sing psalms in his office before the rest of the staff would arrive. It was borderline overwhelming to me. In fact, it was overwhelming. He became a mirror upon whom I was seeing the filth of my own life. Perhaps some of you can relate. Halfway through my deployment, I had had enough. I had seen enough of my own filth. Going to church every single Sunday and doing life with him every single day with a man whose relationship with God was, to say the least, enviable. It became impossible not to see where I was coming short, way short. So I decided to get a Bible of my own to see if I too could have some kind of relationship with God like the one that he had, has. I remember going online and looking for the prettiest Bible I could find, I, one that I would be able to carry around in the sandbox, Iraq. I went by looks for I had no idea of the differences among the different versions. So I ended up getting a King James Version. Well, needless to say, a month after reading daily, I was more confused than before I began. <laughs> I started in Genesis, and I remember rushing through to get to Jesus. I, in the foolishness of my knowledge and my ignorance, I figured I needed to get to the New Testament to get to Jesus. So however little... Um, now, uh, however... Little did I know that while I was reading and struggling with that old English version, I was being nourished. See, like an, unborn, like an unborn baby becomes comfortable inside the womb, I had become comfortable with what little I knew about Christianity. Just enough not to really bring any change to my lifestyle. However, when I began to read Scripture like a newborn baby... I knew nothing about what was being put into my mouth or how to understand the world around me, especially in Iraq. All I knew was that while confused and with many questions about what I was consuming, I was also feeling refreshed and while at the same time hungry for more and more and more. Now, those of you that know me know that I feel that way most of the time. <laughs> but, but this was different. In reading scripture, I was actually replicating that feeling that I could not replicate outside of church before. So I had to tell someone. I went to the Roman priest with whom the general and I had been worshiping for months now and told him all that I was feeling. He prayed over me and led me through confession. That's a good Roman Catholic. A long one to say the least. <laughs> I remember sobbing uncontrollably for almost an hour. The priest was right by my side, reading the same words we will hear today during our confession. It was then that I realized the great cost of my sins. Now, you would think that after all that time going to church, I would have known that at least that much. 
that the God and creator of the universe had put on flesh to suffer at our hands so that our sins may be wiped away. You would think, but I didn't. See, that reality was the greatest stumbling rock standing in between the life I wanted to live and the one I was supposed to be living. So it wasn't that the churches I went to did not preach Jesus. Instead, it was my own belief that kept me from seeing that reality. I didn't believe I was bad enough that I needed a Savior. I was good, remember? Remember? Yeah. It was only when I met a God-fearing man that I realized I was far from good. Further, it was when I realized that even he was not good enough that I realized that I was way out of po- it was way out of my power to please God. Big bad marine defeated. Captain Dominguez Zero, God infinitely wins. Brothers and sisters, I share with you my story in hope that it would connect with someone out there. With someone who perhaps feels that that they have life under control on their own. Someone who perhaps thinks is a good enough person to make it to heaven without Christ. Someone to whom in this society following Christ has become a stumbling rock, a rock of offense. If you are out there, I challenge you, come and be nourished. Let yourself be built into that spiritual house Peter encourages us to become. Come and be nourished. And even if you don't understand, come and drink the nourishing milk that is the word of God. Come and be nourished as I did. I began in your shoes and today a week from being ordained. And while there's still lots that doesn't make sense to me, I can put my trust in Jesus who knows all things and in whom I will not be put to shame. Come and be nourished. You don't have to go through this life alone. He called us to be a holy nation. We've already been chosen for a possession of his own. Yes, I know it is difficult to follow him. And I promise you, you will be confused and things will hardly make sense. But as a mother and a father are there to instruct their child. And as this church has been here for me and my family. We, the whole body of Christ, are here to guide you in this walk. A difficult walk, but not one that you have to do alone. So please listen to the plea of all of us who believe and come and be nourished. And let us show you how to offer yourself as a living sacrifice acceptable to God. Come and be nourished. And let us who believe walk alongside of you that together we may all be built for the glory of God. During communion, we'll have a prayer team in the front and the back of the church. If this has moved you in any way, I ask that you come and be nourished by them. They'll know what to say. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Please let us stand to profess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. Visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ.